Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by ATB's new podcast, The Future Up. Join Todd Hirsch, ATB's Vice President and Chief Economist, as he connects with special guests who offer unique and useful perspectives about the future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. From the future of women in business to the changing nature of work itself, The Future Of helps us understand what's coming and what we need to do today to get the tomorrow we want. Featuring two episodes each month, plus bonus episodes, The Future Of includes interviews with top community and business leaders from Alberta and around the world. Subscribe to The Future Of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, or everywhere podcasts are found, and connect to ask your questions about the future by emailing thefutureof at atb.com. One thing that I think we can say safely is that we're looking for things to return to a relative state of normalcy so that we can finally see the people we've been missing. I miss people. I know you do. You miss people a lot. I do. I miss people a lot. It's nice to be able to embrace an old friend you haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> Catch up with people who've been out of your life for a while. Oh, I see where you're going. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I mean, this isn't the first time I've segued into our episode by talking about something pertinent about it. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm acknowledging it. That's all. Fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. All right. Well, then, a quick recap of chapter 19 <laughs> of our novel, in which things uh, quickly get very climactic. Tracker and the party escape from prison, burn down Dolingo, <laughs> fight a bunch of vampires, and throw a witch through a fiery portal. To be fair, they didn't throw her through. She was pulled. Uh, it's fair. <laughs> she was pulled by she... a mortal enemy through <laughs> a fiery portal. And uh, that brings us succinctly to uh, yet another lengthy chapter, chapter 20 of Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. We're on a boat. Everybody look at me because I'm sailing on a boat. We're on a boat. That's where we start. <laughs> we learn very quickly that uh, the crew kind of the remaining crew, I should say, kind of took stock of the situation and went, there's no way we're going to make it back to Congor, where they know the vampires have gone, because... That's where that's the door went. where the door went. If we just trek it on foot, there's just no way. They'll be gone by the time they get there. Congor's too far away. Yeah. The fastest way, then, would be to take the river. And the only boat they can find on short notice is a slave ship, an empty slave ship. Yeah. It's not ideal. No. But it's kind of what they got. And it's surprisingly private, actually. Well, it's a big empty ship. Yeah, it's a big empty slave ship. Tracker has misgivings and rightly points out, like, there's a non-zero chance we end up as slaves if we board that ship. But the crew takes one look at this, like, rugged, bloodied group of misfits standing on the shore and go, Including, we're not going like, to mess with those guys. Right? <laughs> Two well-armed dudes who look scary, a giant... And a buffalo. Yeah. There is something about that that just screams, do not mess with these people. So they board the ship 
and they make haste to Congor. Yes. We get a little bit of an interlude aboard the ship. Uh, Tracker and Mossy finally get an opportunity to kind of break the sexual tension. Yeah, I okay, so I made uh, a numbered list in my notes to keep track of all of the things that happen in the order that they happen in this chapter, because a lot happens Mm -hmm. in this chapter. Uh, And note number two, sexy times with Mossy. Yep. So, yes, at long last, we break that sexual tension. I didn't find it particularly titillating, but I did find it very relieving. Like, finally, ugh. <laughs> like, when you're finally waiting for two characters to kiss because you know they're going to. Yeah. And then they finally get to, and you're like, oh, thank goodness that's over. Whew. Tracker and Mossy spend the next day in each other's company. Yes, in each other's company. That's correct. Uh, this is a PG podcast. Yes. But they also spend a lot of time talking, and they talk about a number of things, including children, which brings to mind the Mingi children for Tracker. But Masi mentions he has actually got some children because of an arranged marriage back home where he is exiled from because of his uh, interest in men. Right. Um, Making him a not suitable husband, I guess. Indeed. And he's like, my kids are probably better off with my sister anyway. It's cool. It's fine. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I'm also coming at it with, like, modern... Western eyes. And to be fair, he's like, Tracker wouldn't be one to cast aspersions on him. A couple times in this chapter, Tracker gets called out for being very protective of the Mingi children he has pointedly avoided for years. Yeah. Which he, like, realistically has very little connection to. But he he feels fatherly to them, but has been an absentee father. Oh, for this uh, agreed. Time. But they're not his children, like, biologically. No. Right? They're children that he cared for. Once upon a time, and left somewhere where they could be looked after. And still thinks of them fondly. Yes, exactly. We also finally get the story of where the wolf eye came from. A couple people have asked after it, and Tracker keeps dissembling, but he finally tells Mossy a short, short version of the story. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like this isn't the whole story, but it's something, and I'll take it. So Tracker, of course, lost his eye to the hyena pack. Yes. And then when he failed to find and kill Nika for the betrayal, he, I guess, wandered off in the desert to just kind of end his sorrows, more or less. <laughs> While he was in the desert, like, a vision came to him and the Sangoma visited him as a spirit with, like, a spirit wolf at her side and lent him the wolf's eye using spirit magic, presumably, and uh, left him with the warning that before the end, the wolf would return to claim that eye back. So it is a loner eye. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a loner. Yeah. Also, does that mean that he'll know when he's about to die? Because there's a wolf coming to claim the eye back? Yeah, because there's a wolf coming for him? Maybe. Like, is that why he's not really scared of anything? Because he knows this isn't where he's going to die? I mean, he's also physically immune to being attacked by metal. So, I mean, that's a pretty strong... Yeah. That's a pretty strong enchantment in itself. But there are lots of other ways to die in a fight. But you're right. Maybe that's why he's been a little blasé in a lot of situations, because there hasn't been a wolf lurking nearby going, want my eye back. Yeah, a one-eyed wolf glaring at him with the good eye, right? (laughs) So, yeah, maybe he's got this false sense of security. Maybe. That the end is not near. Quite so. We also get the first of several conversations about Tracker's mommy issues here. Okay, so... In my numbered list of notes of things that happen, I have wrote written down, Tracker has mommy issues. I write that down at least three times in this chapter. Yeah. Uh, it gets brought up by several people who, again, because Tracker is an open book, and his 
discomfort with women is something that we've actually noted before in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Like it hasn't been explicitly spelt out in the text until this point, but we were like, Tracker's got some issues with women. He's got some serious trust issues with women. And here, Mossy and Lassisolo and Leopard all, all in the course of this chapter go, you've got real issues with women. Yeah. Do you have unresolved mommy issues? Basically. <laughs> Everyone he talks to, I think, in this chapter is like, dude, you got some mommy issues. So they do dock about a day and a half later, somewhat physically recovered from their ordeal in Dolingo. Yeah, a couple days of rest will do you good. Yeah. Um, and it's conveniently noon in Congor when they dock. So, of course, nobody's around because it's the witching hour in yeah. Congor. Very handy. Mossy and Tracker pay some sailors for their clothes so that they can kind of move in disguise into the town. That's, that's as disguised as they can get is be dressed as sailors. Especially considering they've got Sadogo and Buffalo with them. It's hard <laughs> to be inconspicuous when you have a giant and a buffalo as traveling companions. Yeah. Tracker notes... Mossy is particularly on guard, and he's like, do you think the Chieftain Army is keeping an eye out for us? And Mossy's like, dude, everybody's probably keeping an eye out for us. I'm more worried about seeing pigeons flying, because we know mm -hmm. that if somebody spots us who's part of this conspiracy, they're going to be sending pigeons. And Tracker's like, good point. Right? Mo Mossy's sharp. Sharp dude. And that's around the time that Tracker's nose catches on to, as he describes it, too many familiar smells all at once. <laughs> because everybody's back in Congor. We just haven't seen them all yet. Right. So the boy is there. The vampires are there. Spoiler alert. Leopard is there. Nika and Nasaka are there. Everybody is there. Yes. The whole party is getting back together in this Congor chapter. is a party city. We just don't know it yet. I mean, we did know it was a party city. There was a masquerade happening last time we were No, there. no. I mean a party city now. Mossy asks him specifically, do you smell the boy? And Tracker's like, I smell a lot more than the boy. And he's like, okay, well, we're looking for the remains of the monster squad, but are you smelling the AC? Is he yeah, around? Like, what have you got? And Tracker's like, honestly, it smell. I think someone else is tracking us. And Mossy's like, bring him on. And Tracker's like, no, nah, let's go to them first. And he leads Mossy to the old safe house through a couple alleys. Yes, where they stayed before the first time. Yeah. In Congor. On their way, Tracker notes the lack of Seven Wings mercenaries. Mossy points out that their banner is still flying, but there's, like, no one around. Well, that's also because it's noon and there's no one around. Like, the, the Seven Wings mercenaries wouldn't care about Congor's superstitions. No, well, fair enough. And when they were last there, they were all over the place. So their flag is still there, but the the bulk of the mercenaries are conspicuously absent at the Maybe moment. they're having lunch. They get to the safe house. And Tracker opens the door and gets Calvin and Hobbes right out of the door. <laughs> that is the most accurate. It is. It is the most accurate possible term for it. That he gets Calvin and Hobbes right at the door. Yep. Because uh, <laughs> Leopard comes flying out. And for an instant, Tracker is like, I'm being attacked by Leopard. Like, this is how I die. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> He's looking around for that wolf. <laughs> then Leopard's just like licking his face and nuzzling up to him like an old pal. Mossy's got his swords out. Like, why is there a wild <laughs> what animal? Is, what is happening? <laughs> Having never on? met Leopard before. <laughs> uh, Leopard shifts back into man form and greets him fondly. He's he's clearly back to normal, right from jump. Sadogo scoops him up and gives him a hug. Leopard has a couple nice words for Buffalo even. He's happy to see the party back together. Yeah. He's missed everyone. And Mossy's still like, what is going on? Who is this very friendly shapeshifter? He's like, is that guy going to attack me? And Tracker's like, I should attack you for the way you've been acting lately. What is happening? More importantly, do you still have Femeli with you? And Leopard's like, yeah, kid's still around. 
I've got a long story to tell you. You're going to laugh about it. <laughs> You're going to laugh. He finally gets kind of a formal introduction to Mossy here. Mossy sheathes his swords and introduces himself. And Leopard instantly knows that oh, he and Tracker he... are sleeping. He breaks into a grin. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you two are together. And Tracker just hates him instantly for it. He's just like, you. Shut up. Hate that you know that. Uh, Leopard also asks after Sogolon, and Tracker is like, uh, you think you have a long story to tell? Wait until I tell you that one. So he asks, is the Lord of the House in? And Leopard's like, no, that guy's gone. Don't know what happened to him. House was totally empty when I came back. Hmm. Hmm. Just hmm. like the missing house on the border of Dolingo. Yeah. This. Hmm. But he does invite everyone in and notes she is also here. Though we don't know exactly which she he is talking about oh, at this moment. But I, I sure did have my suspicions. Mm. And he gives them a timeline. They are going to rescue the boy tomorrow. They know he's in town. They know where he is. Tomorrow's the night. They were just basically waiting for Tracker and his group to show up. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of implied they were going to go even without them. But they were hoping Tracker and his group were going to show up. Yeah. Like tomorrow, there's something special about tomorrow night. Right? Because it can't be immediately for some reason. Well, they need to move before the vampires leave. So they were probably giving, I'm going to say, I kept saying Tracker's group, but they were probably giving Sogolon's group an opportunity to make it back. Fair enough. Because they didn't know Sogolon was dead. That's true. Fumeli runs over as they enter, and Leopard just snarls and puts him in his place. So we definitely know Fumeli's not the one calling the shots here anymore, right from Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, Leopard leads him upstairs into another room, and Tracker is finally introduced to the other major player in this story, who's been in the mix, but we have not seen until now. Yes, we've only heard of, not heard from. Indeed. We finally meet Lassa Solo, the king's sister yes. in the flesh. The king's sister, they keep calling her. Yeah, but it's it, we know her name is Lassa Solo. Yeah. She immediately asks after Sogolon, and Tracker's like, uh, let's just say she got what was coming to her. <laughs> Should have seen it. He also says he's not sad for it because... Uh, she was she, terrible. She was terrible. She sold them to be slaves in Dolingo and gave poor Venon's body to Jack Wu. And then Bunshi shows up and conveniently rides to Sogolon's posthumous defense here long after it matters. Oh, yeah. Because she was nowhere near uh, what was going on oh, when Sogolon got killed. Goodness, no. Kind of surprised she came to her defense, to be honest. She's got a lot to lose in this moment. Uh, fair. Tracker basically says flat out, like, look. We lost the boy in Dolingo because Sogolon backed the wrong team. Yeah. She cut a he deal uses, with the wrong people. Yeah, he uses way more words. He doesn't put nearly as succinctly as that, but that's basically it. Lassa Solo's like, okay, fair enough. What do you know? And Tracker's like, I simultaneously somehow know too much about what's going on and not enough of what's going on. <laughs> Which is weird. I feel the same way. We know so much about what's going on, and yet there are still such large pieces missing. Yeah. Lasso Solo fills in one of the pieces here. Uh, the The overall plan is, yes, we're going to take my son, who is a legitimate claimant to the throne, the arguably the most legitimate claimant to the throne. We're going to sit him on the throne. He's going to rule and be a good king because he won't have been raised by the jerks who keep propping up the current line of kings. He'll have been raised by me to be more compassionate. She intends... After tomorrow, when the boy is rescued from the vampires, to take him to Fasisi, where she will make her claim. She even has a couple surviving southern griots at her beck and call who can she back up the claim. four of them. Indeed. And Tracker's like, this all sounds great. You've got this great plan here. How does that help anybody besides you? 
Because yeah, right? at the like, end of the day, whoever's sitting on the throne doesn't really matter to all the people who are getting, like, armied right now. Yeah, you expect all of the common folk to care about this, but they really don't. Because the ways of kings don't really affect the common man. Well, and she pivots this and is like, okay, well, maybe it might seem like that. But let's be perfectly clear here. Right now, the current king on the throne is sending armies of mercenaries and soldiers to conquer all of the surrounding territories. That includes the coup and the Gingatom. You know what they're going to do to a bunch of Mingi children? They're going to give them to the white scientists. Do you know what those guys are like? And Tracker's like, no, I do not know what those guys are like. You should tell me. Yeah, he's like, her? Yeah. No? <laughs> <laughs> she catches that he's had some experience. Again, Tracker, terrible at poker. Um, She explains... A little bit more about the white scientists here. An interesting point that their skin turns white because of the amount of evil that they've been doing. It's just creepy. It just bleaches the, the like the good out of them. Ugh. And apparently one of their favorite things to do is to turn kids into monsters. Because when you turn a kid into a monster at a young age, they stay a monster. If you If you have a man do some killing, he can go back. If you teach a child only killing, all they'll ever know is killing. They're just going to be monsters forever. Just the concept of that is so horrible. My note right after I, I paraphrase that in my in my notes here is, hmm, put a pin in that. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that later on. Okay. So Tracker's like, solid point. The Gingatom tribe is in danger and my Mingi children are in danger. I'm going to go save them now. Good luck with your vampires. <laughs> yeah. And Lassisolo basically laughs at this and is like, what army are you going to go and defend the Gingatom with? Exactly. Yeah, you're going to go by yourself there, bud? You take them all on? And he says, I'll kill any man who harms them. And she's like, didn't you abandon them years ago? Second person. Actually, it's interesting because the same three people who uh, tell him about his mommy issues also <laughs> call him out for being an absentee parent. Yeah. Because she's like, you're being oddly protective of a group of kids that you haven't seen in years. And also... Who are you to judge me about being an absentee parent when that's your situation? And he's like, eh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> but he's cranky about it because Tracker does not like being told. Yeah. Lassa Solo softens at this and is like, look, I'm tired of dead children. Okay? I'm not sure what I can do to convince you to help me. And I will fully admit right now, Bunchy screwed up and lost the boy in the first place. Sogolon screwed up trying to rescue him in Delingo. At the end of the day... All I need is just someone who will save my boy <laughs> yeah. and just say they're going to do it and do it and to heck with all of these crazy plans. Just do it. And Tracker's like, fine, but I still expect to get paid. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's got he's to still play the tough guy. Yeah. And we segue to him and Leopard. <laughs> Leopard shows him up to a room where he can stay, hands him some fresh hatchets because his have been missing for a time, and uh, some body paint good for sneaking. Uh, some oil, notably, that will not be washed off in water, which will come into the part of the plan later on. Yeah. I, I imagined it was like a black, greasy Yeah, like something, a grease something. paint. Yeah. He then asks Tracker to uh, walk with him so that they can catch up. So they, mm -hmm. they disguise themselves basically to look like holy men so they're not going to attract much attention. Sorry, I'm pre-laughing at this. They head out on a little walk. Tracker immediately notes, uh, clearly... The situation with you and Fumeli has changed. And Leopard's like, be straight with me, dude. Was I being super evil? And Tracker was like, yeah, you were being super evil. Yeah, you were awful. You were being a total jerk. You bit me in the neck. Right, see this scar? See this scar here? This is you. You did this. 
This saddens Leopard, but he confirms what we figured out several chapters ago. Yes. He was being totally worm-tongued by Fumeli. He was! Uh, apparently, Fumeli had been drugging him with something called Devil's Whisper, or Babacoop. Yeah, makes you real susceptible to suggestion. Yeah, and forgetful. Basically, he was being roofied, more or less. Yeah, kind of. Uh, Tracker is kind of surprised, actually. He's like, that's a very potent drug. It's impossible to mask the taste or smell. And Leopard's like, yeah, it turns out Fumeli found a um, a different way to slip it to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Leopard was taking it from behind. Indeed. Hmm. Uh, apparently, it is an effective suppository. <laughs> Leopard admits Fumeli uh, got caught when he got a little too brazen with it. And when Leopard realized what was going on, he nearly beat Fumeli to death. Yes, twice. Twice, yes. <laughs> Tracker cannot contain his laughter at this. He laughs for like 10 minutes. If oh. this was an episode of television, half of it would just be hysterical laughter. Oh, yeah. This is him not being able to stand, not being able to breathe, laughing ridiculously hard. Yeah. As poor Leopard's predicament. And to be fair, Leopard's good-humored about it. He's like, look, I'm going to let you have this laugh because I kind of deserve it. I brought right? this on myself. <laughs> it, it, in hindsight, it's terribly funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, if it had been someone else and not me... I'd be laughing. I'd be laughing, it. too. Yeah. yeah. Tracker composes himself enough to ask, well, then why do you still have the boy with you? And Leopard's like, honestly, he's good with a bow still, and I'll probably kill him in the morning. So... <laughs> Good night. Good work. Most likely kill you in the morning. Plus, I needed him to tell me where everyone else was because I was leagues away when I finally oh, figured yeah. out what was going on. Because he didn't care. Because he didn't care about this mission. He wanted me all to himself. So I needed to have him lead me back. On their way back, they did run into Bunchy, hold back up at the empty safe house, and then Bunchy managed to smuggle in Lassa Solo a little while later. Yeah. That's how they all kind of came to be back in Congor. At least that group of them came to be back in Congor. It's at this juncture that Leopard's like, here's the deal. I've got somewhere to show you real quick. You should come with me. You're not going to like it. <laughs> you need to know this. It's not good. No. So Leopard leads him to a different house, and Tracker almost immediately smells the cot on the air. And he's like, I'm ready to kill people. <laughs> yeah, And, and Leopard stops him from drawing his weapons, knocks on the door, and Nasaka Navampi unlocks the well-bolted door and lets them in. And she is looking like heck. Oh, yeah. She she looks like she hasn't slept. She looks like she hasn't eaten. Yeah. She's just a mess. No smart mouth, just a weary nod to Tracker and to Leopard as they come in. And she can quickly confirms with Leopard, we're going after the boy tomorrow, right? And Leopard's like, yep, that's the plan. Tracker's here. We're good to go. So Nasaka leads them into the hut and takes them into a room where we catch up with Nika, who has been turned into a lightning zombie by Ipindulu. Do we, though? Is it really him? Yeah, they've had some adventures. So it turns out this is pretty much kind of what I think we even anticipated might happen earlier on in the book. Quite possibly. When Nika and Nasaka ran off on their own in their chariot chasing their lightning zombie, we were like, they're going to run into a vampire and his cronies all by themselves, and they're going to be woefully unprepared, despite all of their like cocksuredness at this juncture. <laughs> and sure enough, that is exactly what happened. Well, I don't know if it's exactly what happened. We don't know the exact details, but we can pretty yeah. much guess. What What we know is that Nike is now a lightning zombie. Yeah, they lost big when they confronted the uh, monster squad by themselves. Right. 
Nika has gone full Renfield. And you you don't want to go full Renfield, <laughs> but he has gone full Renfield. Oh, he is. Oh, yes. He, the Kool-Aid has been drunk. He is promising to spill everyone's blood as a sacrifice to Ipindulu, then like starts piteously groveling on the ground to let him go so that he can go to his master and just be with him because he needs him. He's so hurt. Seeing Nika reduced like this actually fills Tracker with a sort of pity and loathing. The old hate just dissipates and is just replaced with hatred that this is what he's become. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think Tracker was hoping for a worthy adversary to take down, not whatever this is oh, yeah. the, in front of him. At one point, Tracker says it's it, like this creature that Nika has become is not even worth killing. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of, like, Tracker's a weird mix of emotions right now yeah like he's still hateful because he can't stand the sight of nika he's disappointed that he doesn't get to kill a worthy upright nika like in and get his proper revenge yeah his nemesis yeah it's it's all yeah he loathes this thing in front of him because he knows what it is yep and it's a everything's horrible he straight up advises them you should just kill that and we should be on our way and nasaka catches him and is like no no he's still alive and Tracker's like, you don't know what alive is, do you? <laughs> do, you because do you and I not understand? The only thing keeping him upright right now is that magic coursing through his veins. And if that stops, so does he. Nasaka's like, you don't know that. Which is a valid question I had. Does Tracker know that? No, he straight up admits that he doesn't know that. She's like, I just, I want Nika turned back to normal. And Tracker's like, the only person who could have turned him back to normal is Ipindulu's witch. And that witch is dead. Has been dead for years. There's no one to turn him back. And Asaka's like, well, what if we kill the vampire? And Tracker's like, no one's ever killed any Pindulu before. So how should I know if that will work? Right? This is all new territory, everybody. Yeah, this is, they're, they're in uncharted waters. She wants to believe that if they kill the lightning bird, Nika will somehow be restored to his former self. Leopard's like, dude... Let her believe that. She can go after the vampire while we save the boy. Yeah, not wrong. There's a lot of... <laughs> and Tracker's like, that sounds great, but there's a slight problem in that plan, and that's that there's another vampire, and you and I have some history with him. Remember Sasampa Sam? Yeah. Remember when we killed his brother? Tracker points out, like, four of us in that room together could not take down Sasamba Sam. And Leopard's like, well, maybe you four couldn't. And Tracker's just shuts him down. It's like, do not go there. You do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> just, just, nah, nah. Nasaka's like, are you guys going to just carry on talking like I'm not in the room right now? <laughs> and they're like, yes. Yes, we are. And she's like, I will help you save the boy, but the lightning bird is mine. And they're like, fine. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere in the back of Tracker's mind, he's like, I very much doubt that that lightning bird is yours. I don't think you could take him down, lady. Well, I mean, to be fair, Pindulu is badly, badly injured right now. Even still. Tracker asks at this juncture, listen, Nasaka, I feel compassion for you in this moment. It's probably misplaced. Hear me out. How many times has Nika broken your heart? And she's like, look, I'm sorry he hurt you, but he's not like that to me. And he's like, I get that. He was like that to me once, too. But this is a guy who uses people. He's very good at gaining your trust, and then he's equally good at destroying it. She says, listen, 
Nike is actually the one guy who's never betrayed me. All my life, I've been taken advantage of by people. And he was a guy who got me out of that situation and gave me an opportunity to get revenge on it. And he took the fall for that. Like, he, people think he did the thing. I killed a bunch of dudes. People think he killed a bunch of dudes. This is what makes it click for Tracker. Oh, you're not in love with him. You want to save him because you owe him your life. Ah, that's different. It is a different sort of loyalty at play here. Yeah. So Tracker and Leopard return to the safe house. Uh, on the way, Tracker asks Leopard, why did you take me there? What is this about? And Leopard's like, honestly, Nasaka asked me to bring you by if you showed up. And I think it's because she kind of wanted like some pity or some forgiveness. Like she wants your help, dude. And Tracker's like, I don't care about any of this. Why, what makes her think, what makes you think or her think that I care about any of this? And Leopard stops him and is like, do you care about anything? I'm not the first person in this book to ask you that, Tracker. Do you care about anything? <laughs> so this, my note here is, this is Tracker has mommy issues. Yeah. And this pivots back to the Mingi children and his mom, exactly as you say. The third of three people to ask him about his mommy issues and to bring up the Mingi children. Yep. Leopard actually even in addition to calling him out for being the absentee father to the Mingi children for all these years, is like, you don't get to talk to me about the Mingi children, my dude. I was there. I was looking after them long before you showed up. Which is true. <laughs> don't forget that. So you do not get to hold that over me. And Tracker's like, I'm going to change the subject now. <laughs> ah, standard deflection. Uh, he asks after AC. And Leopard is like, I don't think dude's in town anymore because the king left town just as we were turning back up. He took all of his people with him. There's been no signs of any suspicious activity. And if, as you say, he's unwilling to travel through the magic doors and did not follow you, that means that he's on foot. So he's probably in either Mitu, Dolingo, or Mueru right now, vainly searching for you. I think we're in the clear. And Tracker's like, hmm, that seems not likely, but I'm not going to press this any further. I don't think he wanted to talk about AEC either. Fair enough. Instead of uh, continuing the discussion, Tracker gets led to the house the boy is in. Yeah. Uh, Leopard leads him essentially down Nocturne Alley. Right? Yeah. Like, it's this rundown part of town where and, the houses are all flooded and falling over and everything's dark and creepy and wrong. And Tracker's like, I smell necromancy in the air. Like, this is the bad wizard part of town, right? Right? He's led to a ramshackle home that is just begging to be robbed or squatted in. And Leopard's like, yeah, that's the trap. Because the surviving vampires are both wounded. They've changed tactics. And they're trying to lure in the unsuspecting so that they can feed and regain their strength. Right. So someone comes into squat. Uh, dinner. And we smash cut to the rescue. Ah, uh, yes. I have to give credit where credit is due to Marlon James. He writes a good action scene. Yep. He does. Yet another scene, uh, which I would like to see translated onto the screen. Oh, the fight choreography would be astounding. Tracker uses his uh, waterproof body paint to slip in through the river basically because the house is half flooded right so so there's a portion of it underwater so he just kind of digs out under a wall swims in the plan is that leopard's going to be coming in through a window and when tracker gets in there's a woman who's like made her way into the house and is 
scared and looking around with a torch. We find out later this is Nasaka. Yeah. She's trying to, she's baiting. Yeah, she's being very good bait. And she is uh, being very good bait for Sasamba Sam, who is not at all subtly stalking her in the house. <laughs> um, and if she, if she he wasn't pretending to not see him there, would absolutely have seen him there. Because oh, right? Tracker's like, that monster is real bad at hunting. <laughs> To be fair, he was bad at hunting the first time. Which is why Asamba Sam was there. Right? That was his brother's job. Leopard basically comes crashing through the window, pin-cushioning Asamba Sam before he gets a chance to, to leap on Nasaka. As the vampire crashes into the water, Tracker and Nasaka descend on it. She's, like, blowing fire from the torch. Tracker is axing it. Leopard's shooting more arrows. And Asamba Sam does not die. <laughs> Uh, he knocks them all away, grabs Nasaka, and goes to, like, rip out her arm. When Sadogo rushes in, it punches the vampire right in the face. <laughs> I wish I could have seen that happen. In my mind, it was glorious. Uh, the vampire tries to knock down Sadogo, but Sadogo just punches a hole in his wing <laughs> and then kicks, gets kicked down, which is when Mossy jumps in. <laughs> right, and then with slices a spear. at him, right? Yeah. Spears the monster. Sadogo starts pounding it, and they're like, okay, so Samba Sam is at least like detained at the moment <laughs> everyone upstairs so they all rush upstairs there they discover ipindulu who is still just a wreck oh he's like he's charred still he's yeah. kind of fallen apart like it's so bad that tracker feels like the barest twinge of pity for the creature it's like oh that's you're in rough shape there my dude um they hear sasamba sam shriek downstairs which attracts their attention long enough that ipindulu like leaps to his feet and tries to jump out the window <laughs> But Nasaka... Except, except he's bad at it. Well, he's badly injured. Exactly. Nasaka, like, throws a knife through his neck, and he falls down, and Masi chops off his head. Ha ha! And so the monster squad is down to the monster. Yes. Just one. Because we're pretty sure that's deadly to Who, Impidulu. for some reason, is not dead yet. <laughs> Just will not die. <laughs> the boy is crying in the corner, and Tracker approaches him and is kind of at a loss for what to say in that moment. He's like, what do you even say to this boy? Right. He wants to say something comforting, but he's bad at it. Well, and he recognizes that the boy, the boy is like crying over the death of Ipindulu, but it's not really registering beyond just the tears. And Tracker's like, oh, this boy is deeply broken. Well, yeah, he's a tiny child who's been traveling with monsters now for years. Years. Yeah. So Nasaka scoops him up. And uh, the others rush downstairs to help Sadogo finish off Sasamba Sam. And Sasamba Sam is still putting up a fight. Sadogo Somehow. picks him up by the leg and smashes him through a wall. Uh, Fumeli is there now and shoots him with some arrows. And the vampire just knocks him down with a spray of water, only to get bull rushed by Buffalo, who, <laughs> who enters the fray. And the badly injured vampire is, like, knocked flying through the air down into the river a little ways and then gets whisked away by the river and they're like is he dead and then he pops up and flies off well sort of he flaps a couple times and falls into the river again because he's got a hole in his one wing and i think yep. the other one's not working and yeah he just kind of limply gets away so samba Sam sort of. gets away <laughs> that vampire is not dead and just took a thrashing right from the entire party and just kept coming well, not that he kept coming, but he's still going. Yeah. The point is he's leaving. Like, all three of the other vampires are dead at this juncture, and he is still going. Hopefully. Anyway, I hope that removing the head of an Ipindulu Yeah, we, pres it. we presume that that killed Ipindulu. We presume dead. We don't know for sure. Regardless, Ipindulu appears to be dead. Sasamba Sam has fled into the night. They have the boy. 
they are like, we need to get out of here. So they rush back to the safe house to return the boy and directly into the hands of AC. Right? Okay. So the king's sister is on the ground being held, being pushed down repeatedly by an invisible force. Yep. Something we've seen before. Bunchy is being held at knife point. Which is weird. Uh, by... It's clearly a magic knife. Oh, yeah. By AC. Yeah. And AC is like, thanks for bringing me the boy. End of chapter. End of chapter. Okay. Oh. So a lot happened. So much happened. It is interesting to me that Bunchy and Lassasolo and Sogolon, all three of them want to put this boy on the throne. And both Sogolon and Lassasolo have both at this juncture made claims as to why that's a terrible idea. But they are completely blind to the fact that that's the case. Because Lassasolo is like, if you teach a child to be a monster at a young age, they'll always be a monster. And Sogolon's like, you can't trust men. Men are the worst. You should never put men in power. And both of them are unwilling to accept... That this boy is a boy. That this boy is a boy who's been raised by monsters <laughs> yes, for several years. He is. He is, he will grow up to be a man, and so far in his life, he has been raised by monsters. And, Literal monsters. And at one point earlier on, Tracker's even like, are we sure that he's not helping the monsters of his own free will? And Sogolon shuts down that conversation. Like, absolutely like, not. Like, she, she is unwilling to even entertain the thought that the boy is not being coerced by the monsters. And it's such a glaring blind spot. They're all so laser-focused on the end of their plan that they haven't realized that their plan is fatally flawed from the beginning right? because the boy is damaged goods. He is now. Absolutely. He's he like Lassisolo literally spells it out in this chapter when she talks about what the white scientists are going to do to the Mingi children. It's exactly what the vampires have done to her son. Probably. I don't know that they can undo that damage. And we know that the boy is going to be a problem because the book literally starts with Tracker saying, if I'd known what was going to happen, not only would I not have agreed to rescue the boy, I would have killed him myself. So we know it ends badly. Right? Well, we also know that he dies. That the boy dies. At some point, yes. This boy gets a but, name at some point, right? But the boy dies this, after the second time Tracker rescues him. Right. So he survives this first time, assuming that this is the first time. I mean, this might be the first rescue. For all we know, AC gets away with the boy, and then book two is them rescuing the boy from AC. Could be. Could be. Don't know. Don't know. We got some book left yet. We do got some book left. We got a chunk of book left. Okay, so let's go back a little to the beginning. Mm -hmm. This is possibly really quick. Why does Leopard keep Femelli around? Because to me, uh, he's good with a bow still. Seems really weak compared to what Femelli has put, now put Leopard through. Well, I mean, Leopard's going to be more on guard around him, so it's unlikely he's going to get away with that a second time. Yeah, but why keep him at all? Well, Dude, cut your losses. Femelli's young and maybe he's learned his lesson. Uh, maybe. Plus, it's Leopard keeps denying how attached he is to Femelli, but he's clearly attached to the kid. I guess so. All right, so I hope we find out what happens to Nika. Oh, I assume that after AC is dealt with, we're going to find out. In fact, it's not impossible. This is just wild speculation. Everything looks like it's the end. AC has everybody uh, magicked up. Things are at their bleakest, and then Nika comes crashing through the window and stabs that guy because he's back to normal, and he's there to be the cavalry. Could be. Mm. Who knows? Or he could be dead. Or he could still be a lightning zombie. Or he could now be Ipindulu. Who knows? Right? It could be any of those. Because maybe, no maybe Ipindulu can transfer himself into one of his zombies if he's killed. Ooh. Who knows? Nika's like a horcrux of lightning? Maybe. Ooh, Don't know. Crazy. There's a part of Ipindulu's power in him. Huh? Maybe Nika becomes the new Ipindulu. Oh, I hope not. 
I mean, it would give Tracker even more reason to want to kill that guy. That's true. That would make that kill very satisfying, wouldn't it? Double satisfying. I'm not only killing my hated nemesis, I'm killing the guy who killed my hated nemesis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Something stood out to me near the end that I just want to bring up. Tracker says, uh, after after they rescue the boy and they're heading back, Mm -hmm. right in the... In the immediate aftermath there. Uh, Tracker said he couldn't smell him. He couldn't smell the boy, even yeah. though he could see him. He was right in front of him over yeah. over uh, Nasaka's shoulder. He lost his scent for a minute. What was with that? I don't know. There's definitely something afoot there. Yeah. Or AC's magic. AC knew they were coming back with the boy. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he masked the boy's scent so that when he gets the boy, Tracker does, can't track the boy at that juncture. Does AC have smell magic? AC can control people's minds. That's not the same as smell magic. He could maybe control Tracker's mind and tell his mind not to smell something. Oh. Smell magic a thing? Yes. Okay. Something, and this struck me uh, at the very, very end of the chapter, as AC not knowing who he's dealing with. The fact that he is holding a knife to Bunchy and confronting Tracker with that. Yeah, Tracker's going to be like, oh, you can kill that. Yeah, Tracker's like, please, save me the hassle. Yeah, AC has made a miscalculation here because he thinks that holding Bunchy hostage is going to in any way impress Tracker. Right? I'm like, oh, no. Oh. You take, you took oh, the, honey, no, you got it backwards. You took the wrong hostage. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, AC's not going to threaten Lassa Solo because it's been made very clear that he is afraid to harm her. Well, because there's that whole line of divinity, right? Yep. So laying a hand, like... Freezing her with magic is one thing. Laying a hand on her is another. He can threaten Bunchy. He can't threaten Lassa Solo. Bunchy is his only option as a hostage in that situation. But she's a terrible hostage because ain't no one in that house cares about her. Right? Sogolon might have tried to save her, but Sogolon's not there to save her. I am real, real curious how this next chapter is going to start and whether or not Bunchy survives the next chapter. We'll have to wait and see. Yes. Anyway, those are all my questions. All right. Well, maybe some of them will be answered as we move into chapter 21 of our novel. That'd be nice. Uh, You'll want to read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, we are, of course, supported by the Alberta Podcast Network, which we are a member of. Woohoo! And uh, the Alberta Podcast Network is itself supported by many organizations, including the Edmonton Community Foundation. And the Edmonton Community Foundation has kind of generously donated some of its ad time to uh, other local podcasters. Uh, in order to kind of expand their audience a little bit and and uh, get their names out to other people who might not normally have been able to hear about them. Yeah, giving them a little bump. And Anita's going to tell you about one of them right now. Book Women. Book Women is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Métis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form that they enjoy. Guests include Indigenous storytellers from diverse mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. Book Women. Check them out. Yeah. Uh, you can also check out the Edmonton Community Foundation and their podcast, The Well-Endowed Podcast, also <laughs> available where podcasts are generally found. Uh, you can also find just more podcasts in general through the Alberta Podcast Network. Absolutely. We've got a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. on on a lot of topics that it, touch on things outside of Alberta. Yeah. It's not just a local... It's, no, they just happen to be from Alberta, exactly. that's all. Exactly. That is right. If podcasts are your thing, we recommend it. Check it out. 
find yourself a new podcast. You can download that podcast at your podcatcher of choice while you're there. Probably that's where you're downloading our podcast. Probably. Maybe give us a little uh, rating and a review. We would appreciate that. Pretty please. Uh, after you've done that, you can also reach out to us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along on most of those. You can reach us by email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. And we'll see you next time. Hashtag mommy issues. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. 